We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Day. It's at the Lamb Show. Is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find the show. Poland Spring is not a sponsor, Alan, so we're going to go ahead and get rid of them <laughs> right here until you pay. Savvy business moves. We, we ain't doing that free shit no more. You heard? Alan in the building. What up? Hey, uh, we got quite the episode for you today. <laughs> yeah, listen, this is going to be... A doozy. I just put out the video on uh, Instagram. You'll see the pictures too. Um, nobody better to talk about the Falcons than you. No one that I know knows more about the Falcons than you. We first brought, of all, brought it out. <laughs> first of all, the jersey. Number one, um, greatly offended. The fact that you're wearing this for the first time now and he's about to get traded is hysterical. <laughs> I haven't worn a while. I think. I've worn this as many times as other people have worn this. Like, I've given the friends, like, from our Super Bowl, we, I let Joey wear it because Joey hosted the pregame party. Uh, I've let a couple of my boys wear it. Like, I, I host the fantasy football draft 
uh, every year in my league, and whoever drives Julio, I'll chuck him the jersey. I've never drafted the Julio in the league. I just never ends up. I think I think uh, Joey got the jersey because he in the first he had like a four year stretch where he always had Julio on his team. Oh, that too. Okay, yeah, yeah, he yeah, hosts yeah. a great party too. Yeah, so yeah, salute yeah. to. But yeah, I feel like as many people have worn this jersey, and I haven't worn enough. And I just figured. Man, this is this is it, I guess. This is Shen Sharp. I've all people broke the news. Okay, so first of all, do you think that was planned? No. You think that was a spontaneous phone call? He just calls Which is pretty Julio and Julio Jones is the least controversial player receiver I know. Like I've t- interviewed Julio a couple times over the past uh, mostly in 2017, but a little bit in 2018 and he doesn't look for attention. He'll just give you answers straight to the point. He's not someone that seeks things out. I think the most controversial thing Julio's ever been a part of was when Migos and Joe Budden had that huge altercation, and Julio was in the core and just gave a very confused. Oh my look. God, that's where that meme is <laughs> yeah. from, right? It was. Oh, it was wow. when the Migos was ready to hit Joe Budden because the, I don't know Joe Budden like bailed on an interview. Yeah, pull, pull yeah, yeah, Joe yeah. Bunch shenanigans, <laughs> uh, and Julio was just in the background, like looking like what's going. On? Besides that, like. He's not someone that looks for interviews. He's not someone that seeks out attention. Like, if you look on his social media page, he'll post a picture of him going fishing or maybe he's hanging out with Gucci Man courtside, whatever. But he's not someone that looks to make headlines. So that's why how this all came about was really shocking. So I don't think he knew he was on air, and I don't think he was looking to create a scene. And just based on some of the reports, like Albert Beer uh, Monday said, like, it's been uh, the best-kept secret that Julio's wanted out since March, which I just find bizarre considering, like, you look at we when a player wants out, it usually comes out, and this has been kept for what almost three months now. That he's wanted out, and I'm just surprised no one's really reported on this because it was well known like the organization was fielding offers, but for him to just openly say I want out, I don't think anyone really saw coming, even though it is completely understandable from his point of view. As you're talking, I'm trying to remember times where he complained about not enough catches or not enough targets or him getting at it with Matt Ryan. And you would know better than me. I don't think that's the case. Only time Julio ever seen get annoyed is with reporters that either bring up the Super Bowl or if they bring up touchdowns or, oh, will his team get over the Super Bowl curse? Like, like the times I've seen Julio get annoyed is just when reporters ask the most generic questions where... It's like they didn't put much thought into it. It's just something that they felt they want to say. But besides that, like even when Julio takes tough questions, he's just like, we're focusing on game, one game at a time, he'll always say. Uh, in our locker room, we're a tight-knit unit. Like We don't really pay attention to outside noise. And he really isn't like a big media person. You don't really see him go on podcasts much. Like He's just someone, he's to himself. And he, like I said, doesn't really seek out attention. So... I think for this to come about, I, I I don't think it was planned. I think it just it came about. And I don't know what the repercussions are. I don't know if Julio even cares. but uh, And we only know. That's why I'm not going to totally go at Shannon Sharp here. I love Shannon Sharp, but I just I don't think it came about the right way. I, I think the only thing good out of it, like the Cowboys somehow got slandered in this. <laughs> like it just talking about do you want to go to Dallas and he's like no nah, I want to go somewhere to win <laughs> like like somehow like somehow Dallas got slandered even though he was the the photo showed him wearing a cowboy sweater like a few days beforehand but you gotta understand players wear different teams like Revis wore a Falcons hat and then he got traded to the Bucks two weeks later like players wear different teams like you know I, although someone um Arthur Smith the Falcons head coach did a press conference today and someone asked oh, what would be your reaction if Matt Ryan was wearing a Saints jersey on public he's like oh that might be another conversation but uh but so, but like 
look, Julio's his own man. Like, who's going to tell him what to do? The guy, he's done so much for the franchise, and I think now he sees himself in a position where it's like, I got to capitalize on things. I got to make some moves because this team clearly, he's wasted some of the prime years, and they've not delivered since you know, 2016, 2017. Do you think it has anything to do with contract and money for Julio? So the athletic came out today. Athletic's probably the best place to get like inside information like espn of course ha- will always give reports but athletic has like team-centered people right exactly so uh shout out to daniel shirley he posts this day uh there are some lingering uh frustration from how things happened in 2019 remember julio was quote i wouldn't say holding out because he was in training camp but he was he didn't get his new deal until the day before they played minnesota remember there was reports that week one game against the vikings where we weren't sure if he was going to play. It all stemmed from contract. And eventually that Saturday, when all the Antonio Brown madness was going on with the Raiders, Julio, okay, uh, three years, $66 million contract, day before the Vikings game. And I was like, all right, well, they got done. It turns out that process was very difficult, and I think Julio wanted it in 2018, but they couldn't come to terms, and they still had to work out Matt Ryan's deal. So I, I think those negotiations didn't go well. And I think it's kind of left a little bit of a sour taste. That just that's just from what I've read. But besides that, nothing else has really came out. Um, I know like Matt Ryan has the same. Uh, excuse me, Julio Jones. He's read by CAA, which is a very no, well-known agency. Uh, Gray Jarrett's under Vic Beasley. The reason why people think Vic Beasley got that crazy contract was because he was under the same thing as Julio. It's crazy how this works, and they kind of worked the system and. Falcons obviously got the raw end of that deal, but I do think some of the contract stuff happened. But you look at the momentum they had, like twenty sixteen Super Bowl, twenty seventeen uh, should have beaten the Eagles when they had Nick Foles. Like for them, for that to happen, and then the past three seasons they've been out of the wild card race by November. Like come December, the teams is completely out of it, and you're looking at a team like what teams have you seen over the past decade where you have an established star quarterback, superstar wide receiver. Real stability at these positions, and they're not even in a discussion in the playoffs. It's got to affect you. And we're talking about Julio, age 28 to 31 now. And this guy that came to league, he was competing. Remember those Falcons teams in yeah. the 2011, 2012? They, they made that trade go over the hump, and he, he found success early. And, and 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 they did right rookie year they lose to the Giants in the wild card. Yeah, but then and the year after is the NFC, NFC title game yeah. that controversial no call on Roddy, Roddy White, White in the end zone. Bauman and they dipped a few years, but then they were right back at it. Yeah, but the Falcons were always a team that like there was that one year where you guys lost like recently you lost like seven starters on defense by 2018. Week two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But besides that, you're even under Mike Smith. You, you, yeah, the team, the team, the yeah, team, yeah. 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 I, listen, I'm a you and we yeah, guy, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. When, when, when I'm not wearing the I, right, I, I'm not. But you know, we'll roll nah, with fuck yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, my <laughs> emotional state has everything to do with the Giants winning. So okay. yeah, I say okay. we and I. But with, with the Falcons, they've always been a team that is competitive, yes. and because you have the quarterback and that wide receiver, you're always going to take them seriously, especially mm-hmm. offensively. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't say that the offense has been an issue for them. I think from a coaching standpoint, it has like it just when you expect them to be top five and they don't hit those heights, and the fact that Matt Ryan's been sacked over 120 times these past three years, 
Like it's 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 been problematic. And then the running game's not there. They're trailing a lot in games. So there's instances where the offense doesn't deliver enough. So as as fun as that team is with the playmakers they have, it hasn't quite hit the the ceiling that you expect a team of that caliber to. And a lot of that comes down from coaching. And some of them, Matt Ryan, I do things on decline. But I think just a lot of people thought Julio was gonna be a lifer. Like mm. you, you just had that feeling. A lot like Roddy White, who brought up Julio Jones. Like you, people just had that impression. Oh, this guy's just—he really loves the city. Like you, you hear him in interviews. Like I'll never forget, he did a thing with BET. I forgot what the anniversary was. I don't know, something in 2018, and he did a like a 22-minute sit-down with Ludacris and 21 Savage. Really cool. Like, out of all the characters, like, Ludacris, and they're just talking. And, like, Julio's talking so passionately about Atlanta, even though coming from Alabama, like, just how much he loves the city and how much he wants to be a part. And this was the year Atlanta was hosting the Super Bowl and how much he wanted the team play in the Super Bowl. And, like, he just tell he was so passionate about uh, just being in Atlanta. So I think now he just looks at the team and it's just like he sacrificed a lot of years. I think he knows his body. Look, it's a lot of wear and tear. I, I'm not going to say he's injury prone. I, I find that ridiculous. But look, there are a lot. Of Son Allen injuries. was going at it on Twitter. You got me hyped. Yeah. You're just sunning people left and right. I, I don't mean to do it, but I just I just don't understand. Like a guy at this value, like you look at his yards per game. He's at 95, and the next closest receiver, I forget who it was, was like 85. Like, from a week-to-week basis, he produces. Like, you look at statistically, year in and year out, okay, there's times he has to lead the field. He might miss a game or two. But if you look at it, it's 1,400 yards pretty much year in and year out. Yeah. Like, you take that production. This guy is a machine. Third and eight, he will make a play. And also, everyone likes Calvin Ridley. Yeah. A lot of that got to do that because Julio is demanding some attention. And I know there's some splits where, like, when Julio sits, Calvin Ridley, like, there's a big thing in uh, in, in fantasy football that Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, um, Keenan Allen, um, uh, there was another receiver, too, who's kind of, uh, like, under the – Cortland Sutton, when they get, like, X amount of targets. They produce. They always have, like, 10 for 115, okay. 8 for 75 and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley is always one of those guys that when he gets the extra targets, Mm -hmm. he produces at a high level, and he has been productive without Julio on the field, but his splits with Julio, it's completely different too. Yeah, And you mentioned, we talked a little bit about statistics. Now let's go from like a coaching or a league uh, overview, like what, like there people's opinions of him. You never heard one corner try to talk about Julio. You never try to hear of disparage him. Uh, Matt Ryan just did a great interview with uh, Robert Mays over at the Athletic. They were talking about like you know what just some things that stand with Julio. And he, like you watch the film, corners are backing up in fear. Like the the amount of fear he puts in cornerbacks' eyes, it's just baffling. They're backing up 10, 15 yards. They're like you will not be as deep, even though he's gets banged up. Julio still has those deep strides where he could just take a top off, and you're getting embarrassed. He's still. This huge freak where he could win at the catch point. Like he could basically do it all. And even these corners that are running a four three, they're still in fear mm-hmm. that they could get beat deep just knowing how scary he is. So that's another thing you have to look at. Like defensive coordinators, corners, just trying to prepare for him and how much attention he attracts. That's why the whole red zone thing, the touchdown always frustrates me is because okay, he only has four touchdowns one year or six touchdowns. Like you understand how much attention he commands in the red zone. 
and that opens up things for a Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper, fine should, tight end. Should give some money to Julio yeah. for getting him paid. Yeah. Like, it's funny. I was listening to a Ringer podcast day, and they mentioned, oh, maybe Julio could go to Cleveland. I was like, hey, I think Austin Hooper would love that. But I don't know how that dynamic would fit with Odell and Landry. But he just does so many different things that don't show up on the stat sheet. He's also a very willing blocker, which you don't see from a lot of star receivers. Like Yo, and how many it. how many highlights does he have of him chasing down corners on interceptions? Yeah, he like there, there was like a there was a uh, Quan Alexander is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, where he just tackles people too. Yeah. The thing that sucks that happens often is what I think happened with Atlanta when they paid Julio and they gave him they gave him the money mm-hmm. and he's the number one wide receiver on the salary scale. Then the next year, the next guy is due up, and it might be a guy like uh, it was Michael Thomas. Right, it might be a Michael Thomas, who's a very controversial figure yes. in NFL Twitter, and especially on this show. Yeah. He ends up getting paid and becomes the highest paid wide receiver. And then you'll have a guy like, a, you know, just like Amari Cooper then comes on board. And then Julio, Devontae Adams are looking at that, mm-hmm. and they're like, yo, bro, these guys are nowhere. These guys are elite wide receivers, but there's level of elite, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's levels of Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, like... You're a black belt, but you ain't a black belt, black belt. Right. You're a number one wide receiver, but you ain't a, mm-hmm. a number one overall wide receiver in the league. And then guys like Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, even DeAndre Hopkins are like, damn, son, how is this dude getting money over me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm way better than him. That's it's where just the frustration that, starts. Yeah, yeah, and you see it happen with quarterbacks, too. Yeah. I think a lot of the this the issues happening in Green Bay with Rodgers is, yeah, I know the draft stuff, and they haven't yeah. surrounded him with weapons. I get it. Also, let's not pretend that they don't have like an all-pro caliber running back on their team mm-hmm. now. And they got, I think, I've been saying this for two years now, the number one wide receiver in football. So it's And not a like, phenomenal left tackle. Let's keep right, right. And the offensive line legit, that is yeah. a top 10 offensive yeah. line. It's not like he's playing with jobbers. Like, no. It's going to be hard for you to go elsewhere and get that kind of production right. and stability there. That's why I think it's a personal issue if anything else. And yeah. also, he has no guaranteed money on his contract heading wow. into this season too. Mm-hmm. So it's like... I think if they were to come on and be like, yo, here's a new three-year deal, $150 million, 95 guaranteed, mm-hmm. I think it's a little easier for Rodgers to come back. Right. And yo, back-to-back years, they've been in the NFC title game. I we, get we, it. You we talk want, about this, yeah. Yeah, we, we talk about this yeah. all the time. Back to Julio. I want to end with this. Mm-hmm. Number one, do you think that he is gone? Yes. I, <sighs> I, I think they've been just wanting to see what the offers are like. It's been known since March. Did you hear a report of a third-round pick for Julio? They probably left right away. <laughs> Bro, if it's a third-round pick, like it's 25 of the 32 teams should be calling. I don't think if, it's going to be a third-round pick. I, I think they're looking for multiple uh, picks, multiple potentially even players, just mm-hmm. to get some sort of coup back. Um because Schefter and, and Rob report reporting this on March. It's like, okay, they're feeling offers. And then they inter- uh, Terry Fontenot, the general manager, they ask him openly. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're taking calls. We're seeing what's up. But the way they phrase like, like the new regime in Atlanta, they're very cookie-cutter. They're not letting teams really know much. It's like they're pretty much straight to the point. Like they're not – like they haven't really said anything that's controversial. Like they asked Arthur Smith today. He said, we're keeping this private. So like the new regime is pretty tight-lipped compared to the previous one where Dimitrov, you got my microphone, he's going to really reveal some information. Dan Quinn gets a little too emotional. He might reveal some information. Oh, last year when you guys drafted the corner, like everyone knew you guys were taking a corner. Yeah, like – like, And that corner in particular too. Yeah, like, like that team – like 
the previous regime, they at first they were pretty tight lipped, and then eventually things started coming out. So oh, don't, don't worry, Gettleman makes it very clear yeah. he's going to be drafting. That's why Philly fucking trades up, <laughs> Dallas trades back. Yeah. Oh. So uh, I think another thing I want to quickly touch on about this is just and what I still find very confusing is the fact that so they knew Julio was out in March yet they still drafted Kyle Pitts, which goes to show you either they just didn't care for Justin Fields or. I'm questioning what their thought process of Matt Ryan because to me, I think if Julio's gone, this team, there is no way they could really compete. They just don't have the firepower. We already know the defense is super suspect. So to draft Kyle Pitts and then put Matt Ryan in this kind of position, uh, I got a lot of questions. Do you think maybe they took Kyle Pitts thinking and believing that, hey, you know, we'll make it work with Julio? It's hard to answer that. Like, I don't have any inside information. But the fact that Julio put that request in March, and from articles I read, information's out there, they said they're going to respect it. So, to me, it's like, okay, either they just didn't – we're not feeling fields, and they're like, all right, we'll stick with Pitts. If that's – they're thinking fine. But come 2023, 2024, they don't have a legitimate quarterback solution, and Justin Fields is looking like a stud – that this regime is going to face the consequences. I got a quarterback solution. Speaking of Green Bay, Jordan Love for Julio Jones. Well, there's going to have to be some draft picks involved with that. Why? I don't think they're going to do that straight up. Who doesn't do that straight up? Atlanta. I can't see that. I don't know how much they rate Jordan Love, and it's like, I feel like they're going to get at least multiple picks out of it. I think they're they're kind of looking at what what Dimitrov did in 2011 with Cleveland. You know, we're talking about like four picks. They want to get premium, and understandably so. Like I I don't know what to make of Jordan Love. So, I, mm. I, but if they just did that straight up, that's pretty insulting. Like Julio, I saw someone mention Julio for Brandon Ayuk. I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but still, it's like ah, I think you want more. Yeah, because I, I know you now a conversation you you were wondering what the best fit is. Like personally, I want to either go to Green Bay or Tennessee because I think those are really good spots for him. You saw the voice note that AJ Brown left though. I I love it. <laughs> I love. It. Look, I know people are gonna say, "Oh, Tannehill really?" But look, you give me an offense, AJ Brown, Derek Henry, Julio Jones. Look, things are gonna happen, and I trust Mike Vrabel enough. They're gonna have a better defense. So Alabama's to, finest, Derek Henry and Julio. To me, Tennessee is very attractive. I'd rather Tennessee. Um, I find New England to be like I know he's cool with Cam, and okay, that might I don't be, get it. I, I to me, New England's not in any position to compete. I don't even want to say ties to Alabama because Mac Jones has been so long since Julio was there. But no, him and Cam are really tight. That's why I know, but. It's still, and I think, look, I I've, I love Cam and Death, but he looks very diminished. Yeah. So I just don't see that. Uh, people are mentioning the Raiders. I feel like the Raiders are always connected. With every big star, the Raiders are always somehow connected. And always, <laughs> always like years late, too. Like, this would have been. That would just, I don't know, that would be a waste. I, you know, any anytime there's a wide receiver in this situation, I always think of teams with a quarterback that they haven't paid yet. Buffalo. They won't go get him. They don't need him. Well, there's one obvious one I, I think you would know, right? Chargers. Okay, well, I was thinking Baltimore. Baltimore does not make moves, though. Well, yeah, B- Baltimore doesn't make moves like that. Yeah. They just spent the first-round pick on a wide receiver yeah. as well. Chargers fascinating. That, w- that would be one. Chargers would be so fascinating yeah. because you can restructure Julio. 
And then you really have this year, next year, and the year after mm-hmm. before you even need to entertain Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. So you still have Justin Herbert for... That's a huge one, though. Wide receiver three money? Right. Seven, eight million dollars a year? It can't be more yeah, than that. And the Falcons did mention they want to try to work with the AFC team. Understandably so. I don't know how you don't like... Yeah. And the Chargers have done a really good job over the last couple of years. Just a heads up, guys. A lot of Chargers love coming this summer and this season. Dude, it's Very a yearly high. tradition, though. Like, come on. Who does it, like, get excited about the Chargers? But they they always draft well. They find gems. Mm-hmm. They The injuries is what kills the Chargers. But the second year, the second year quarterback, third year quarterback, fourth year quarterback, that contract, man. The biggest luxury you have in all of professional sports is no longer having a quarterback. It's having the right quarterback on a cheap deal. Nothing will top that. Mm-hmm. You saw what the Chiefs were able to do. You saw what Seattle was able to do years Eagles, ago. The Eagles, Rams. even the Rams, all those teams, mm-hmm. it all fits the same mold, same mm-hmm. ideology. Mm-hmm. I find a quarterback. He's dope. I can win with him, and I'm not paying him dick. Mm-hmm. So... You want Chargers? I'm down with Baltimore. Chargers. I'm going Green Bay. Tennessee is second one. For the love of God, if you're Green Bay, like yeah, how do you so just absurd. make it work, dude? Dude, that is so absurd. Like, you, like if I'm a defense preparing for that, I was like, yeah, like, like I'm just telling offensive. You have to. Bro, score you can't 40. even get. Can you even get Julio and Devontae on your fantasy team? Is it possible? Last year you couldn't. Last year you couldn't. I think Julio's dipped a little bit because the targets might not be there. Because you know Devontae's taking the targets. So I think Julio's now in the position where he's not. He doesn't. He doesn't care about numbers. But, Bro, but he's knowing how numbers. knowing how Rogers is, eighteen targets for Devontae, fifteen for Julio. <laughs> I really want to happen. And like, uh, if you talk to Green Bay feds, and just from my experience watching Falcons, I think besides Tampa, I think Green Bay is the, the most tortured franchise when it comes to Julio. Like Julio is. Torture. Bro, that's the origin. We're, t- we're of talking Julio! about the we're talking about the Monday night game. We're talking about the NFC Championship. There's probably a oh my god, he took that drag. Yeah, <sighs> he put up nine, one eighty, and two TDs in that. That's the Julio I need every week. Yeah, and then the the Monday night game. I think it was like fourteen for like two fifty five, and like it's just I think Green Bay has been victimized a lot over the years. So I like to see them get it, but Tennessee be cool. Um, because I know AJ Brown really like idolizes Julio, and just seeing those two freaks, like yeah. he says he wears eleven because of Julio. Yeah, so I wonder like Julio comes in, like you yeah, gotta give him the number, homage, like so. Those would be the two teams, but uh, when do I think it'll happen? I think it could happen as early as June, because I think June first is the date. After June first, we might see. Because I I don't know what the financial ramifications are, but I know June first is like a big date, so that'll be it, and. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna, it's, it's tough to bring in, like, cause like he's like the last of like that era, of like when I peak fandom for me, like with Roddy and Tony Gonzalez and Michael Turner, like like the, this is the last jersey I ever spent money on. Like this was back in 2012. Like I haven't got a jersey since, and I'm just not really into jerseys anymore. But you know, you can't hate on him. He wants to win, and this isn't a team that's going to win anytime soon. So respect to him. I just if I'm if I'm being critical of the Falcons here, it's just I wish they had a long term quarterback solution because I think Matt Ryan's going to struggle without him. Wow, man, you crushed that. That was a tremendous breakdown. Uh, when it comes to the Falcons, there's 
there's no one better to talk to for just knowing the team on this and being very rational. You've always been very rational with them. I'll never forget. Uh, we went up to PA. Oh, you, you, this is like the fourth time you're talking about this, but like it's still hilarious because I just showed up. Like I like I was the last, like I was with Ralph Eric, like the last people in. I just remember seeing you. You look like you were pretty heavy already into the night. And I was a lot yeah. of IPAs in, but yeah. it was a take that I actually financially invested in. But I was like, yo, bro, Falcons this year, NFC title game. And he was just like, yeah, I don't see that, but okay. <laughs> I just were walking. I was like, I just wrote a piece about how concerned I am of them on the offensive defensive line. And you got to think about NFC. Like you have to be like, you look at the past teams. You have to be really good in the trenches. You look oh, at yeah. the Rams, you look at the saints, you look at the Packers, the bucks of how they dominate the trenches. Like, in the NFC, if you're not prepared to battle in the trenches, you're going to get washed away. And I, I think that's a big part of the Falcons' demise. I know uh, I know the division was a dumpster fire last year, but Washington, man, one yeah. of the reasons why they were so good. You look at the, when Philly was also really good. Yep. So, like, like, I feel like in general you have to be really good in the trenches, but the NFC is just so jam-packed with talent. I think that's the case. And if you want to bring up another team and why I think they've kind of uh, fallen short a lot over the past few years, that's why Seattle. Why they haven't quite got over them. Like you could talk all about Russ and the great receivers. When it comes to the trenches, like you look at you look at teams like the Rams and the Saints and the Bucks, like the Packers, like they get to you. So Bro, we didn't mention yeah. San Fran. Yeah, their year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, that defense. Oof. Well, even if you go back to the the Kaepernick season, yeah, you have Justin Smith, Smith, Alan Smith, yeah. You had uh Bowman and, and Patrick Willis. I know they're not in the trenches, but they you know, they were linebackers that would Play close to the line, and then on the flip side, you had Joe Staley. Yeah, you had uh, Yapati also. Trump. I'm not sure if Trump Brown was there yet, but I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah like it was, but solid foundation. Yeah. Um. All right. I want to talk a little bit about the schedule. I know last time we kind of recorded before the schedule was released, as mm-hmm. far as like just general talking points of what we uh, look at when we're approaching the schedule. But now we actually know who's playing who when they're playing. Mm-hmm. And there's some interesting tidbits on the schedule, man. And I have some listed over here. I want to get your natural reaction to them. Alan doesn't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just piggyback off these. And there's going to be London games this year. Historically, when a team plays in London, get the bye week the next week, right? You're going overseas, mm-hmm. different time zone. Like, it's just completely different scenario. The Dolphins this year, they play a London game, and they end up playing Atlanta the next week. How do you feel about that situation for teams, man, coming off a London game? That's unacceptable. Like You're asking a lot for them. It just to even go to London and then coming back, because it, it takes time, to, not just to adjust, but like it's a five-hour flight. Obviously, you have to acclimate to the time, but then it's like these teams have to prepare properly. You got a game plan. So I think it's pretty irresponsible on NFL's part. I don't know. They've done this for over a decade now, and I don't know how they had a blunder like this now. I don't know if it's because of the uh, enhanced scheduling, you know, having an extra week this year, but considering the years they've done this with you know, setting up the London games, I don't know how this is possible. They are playing at home, but still, just coming off the... Yeah, just... It's like you've done every year right. Like, 
what's I, I just don't get it. There was one year recently where the Colts played a London game and then they came back and they said no to having a bye week because it was like a week four London game. So the Colts early in the season. Okay. They didn't want it early in the season. That I could understand, but there are no reports that Miami was like, Yeah, you know what? Let's just play the next yeah, week. Yeah, I don't picture Brian Flores to be a guy. I do want to mention, um, speaking of London games, the Falcons play the Jets this year, and I bet everyone in London is just gutted they won't be able to see Julio. Oof. I mean, you should always be gutted if you can't see Julio. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> London, though, like, yeah. like, London doesn't get many appealing games out there. Like, they get, like, Bears, Raiders. I don't know how that first came to mind. We had talked about it recently. That's why. Oh, Last time yeah, you were on the pod, yeah. we talked about it. And then Bears, you, you get your Jaguars game, but, like, oh, man. Although, hey, Jaguars now, you get to see Trevor. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, it might, you know what? It might start getting luxurious being a Jaguars fan in London. Yeah. If you get that game and, like, he turns into, they're my favorite long shot to win their division. Of all of them? All the, every year, there's a team that finishes last in the division. <laughs> the next year, they either make the playoffs or they win the division. If, if I think if Rodgers gets traded, you might be looking at Detroit. But again, but again, you were you were on Detroit last year. Stop. That was a, that was who a, came? Uh, Eagles came in last time NFC East, right? Or, yes. Okay. Yeah, yes, because mind. they. I was gonna say if Dallas or well, I know Giants did come in last, but like if Dallas came in last, I got some interest there. Yeah. But the Jaguars, right? You look at Houston is a debacle. Don't know what's happening with Watson. Indy's, Indy, as usual, is a question mark because of quarterback position. We don't know what's up with Wentz, um, which is fair to say we don't know how Trevor Lawrence is going to translate yeah. in the league, but all indication is he's going to be fine. Tennessee's got some adjustments. And to Tennessee do. has a lot of holes that they got to fill up. Yeah. Now, if they get Julio, it changes the conversation. Yeah. No, but they're going to have to adjust new, new offensive coordinator, um, receiver, like losing Corey Davis and John o. Smith. You know, defensively, they're, they have to be better. Like, so. And and historically, I know I said this the last two years, but it has you know he's just had two thousand yards last year. When's Derrick Henry? When is Derrick Henry? I'm gonna say this every year, and then the year that it's gonna happen, you know, I'm gonna be tapping myself on the I, back. I think and, now you just have to take Derrick Henry like he's Adrian Peterson, and he's an outlier, right? Yeah, like, just yeah. Like, this dude, applies this, for the five ten, yeah, one ninety running back. Not the you just gotta take this guy just here to stay. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, the last time the NFL gave a bye week this late into a season was in 2001. This year, the Eagles, Colts, Patriots, and Dolphins will play 13 straight games before a bye week. So there's going to be a week 14 bye weeks. Okay. Remember, there's 18 weeks this yeah. year. But by the way, you're a commissioner in fantasy. What are you? What are you doing? Have you thought about that yet? Like when is? I have not thought about this whatsoever. Uh Probably do 15, 16, 17 yeah, championship, right? Yeah, I, I hate the last week finals because you just don't know yeah, players no, are playing. If you play in fantasy leagues where week 17 is a championship, you just get out of there while you can. Yeah, so I'll probably do that, yeah. Middle of the season, eight, week nine, ten is the best time to have a bye week, you would say? About that. I think layers are better, personally. Like if, if but what if that. a team is hot and then they have a bye week? What if you rattled off four straight? I know, but it's like that's you can't really control that. Yeah, that's Fair. why with bye weeks, like you, of course you have a preference, but at this point, I just think later is better, so you could refuel and get ready for that playoff push. Mm. Um, Pats, Bucks play week four. Ready that's for good, a tidbit? That's good timing. 
Brady continues his passing yards per game of last season, that Sunday night football game, or primetime football, I'm pretty sure it's Sunday night Sunday football. Night, yeah. He would be surpassing the all-time passing yards record in that game. Damn, they booked that right. Talk about fantasy yeah. booking, huh? Yeah. I, I do find it a little surprising that CBS didn't make a bigger push to get that because you just think Nance, Romo, Brady, but kudos to NBC. They got the they got the marquee game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that definitely is going to have the most eyes on it for sure. I got, I got a feeling that game's going to be all wash. I feel like Tampa Bay's just put a beating on them. You know Brady's going to go out there to throw like seven touchdowns. Right. And just rub it in. I think that defense, whoever's QB, can't. It's just, I, I just feel like Tampa is so much more of a talented team. Um, Raiders not helped by the schedule, the way it's set up. Um, I'm sure John Gruden will not open his mouth about this. Yeah, December <laughs> and early January, the Raiders will be playing three road games in four weeks. Chiefs, Browns, and Colts. <laughs> with two of them. Outdoors in the Kansas City and the Browns. Um, Minnesota, I thought this was very interesting. Can I just quickly say one thing about John Gruden? I got one John Gruden joke. Um, You talk about John Gruden, like he tries not to complain, but he ends up complaining. I'll never forget. It was like November of 2019 after a loss. He's just talking about, man, we're really struggling to get after a quarterback. I wish this team had pass rushers. And remember the year 2019 has happened. It's like yeah. you just trade Cleo Max. Yeah, so he's like yeah. complaining about Pat. Like John Gruden, I'd love him, but like he will complain about the most obvious things where it's just like you were kind of responsible for this. I'll never forget one time I was listening to talk radio in New York and some fan called and said, You know who the Knicks need? They need a guy like Trevor Ariza. It was when like Trevor Ariza won the title with the with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And it was like, dipshit, <laughs> the Knicks had Trevor Ariza. <laughs> It's like, fuck, man. We know. Um, Minnesota, middle of the season. Very interesting. I always So what I like to look at also once we know when they're playing is, is there a stretch in the season where you're going to be away from home? Raiders last year, I think they played like eight weeks outside of their mm-hmm. home stadium. They had like two road games. Then there was like a bye. Then there was a London game where they were the home team. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, it was... It was uh, it was two road games. Then they were a home team in London, something like that. But they were away from the stadium for like eight weeks. Uh, Minnesota, middle of the season, week nine to 13, two game road trips with a home game sliced in the middle. And it's away games against the Ravens and Chargers, host Green Bay. Then you got the Niners and the Lions. Man. I know the Lions, yeah. but man, that's a rough five game stretch there. And. Mike Zimmer has been openly talking about how, okay, he's a starter, but they aren't totally committed to Kirk Cousins. I think his, the axe wearing thin. They're tired of losing games where they think they should have won or just those primetime games where things are just not clicking and they're down two possessions and you know Kirk Cousins is just not going to lead you back to victory. So it's gonna if they go off to a slow start, uh, I wonder how things are going to change in Minnesota. And I'm still a little surprised Zimmer's still there. I love Mike Zimmer, but I thought Minnesota just might go through a total overhaul. But they're committed for now. But uh, if they start struggling, be on the lookout for a quarterback change. The Baltimore Ravens to finish the season. Um, pretty rough. Uh, from weeks five to nine, 
Ravens don't leave their um, their Baltimore, mm-hmm. but then the end of it is is rough. So they host the Colts, Chargers, and Bengals. Then a week eight bye. Then they play Minnesota. So they have four straight games at home. Then they have the Chiefs on Monday night. Sorry, sorry. They open up against the Raiders on Monday night, and then they play the Chiefs. And then they have a seven-game stretch to finish the season. Cleveland at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Green Bay, at Cincinnati, Rams, Pittsburgh. Five divisional games. Outside Cincinnati, those games are going to be competitive very, very much. Like You're trying to go over 500 at best there. You're talking about two NFC contenders, right? And the Rams and the uh, Packers. Yeah. And then three of the five division games on the road. I think this that stretch That's is a tough weird. stretch. It will also Lamar. really test Lamar. Can he play from behind? Is he able to outduel these quarterbacks? You know, what's it going to be like when he has to play out of structure where it's like, okay, you know, there's going to be some games where the running game is not going to be totally clicking and you're going to have to play from behind. Can you do it? So. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it now. I'm always excited about Baltimore just because of how talented they are and how w- well run they are as an organization. But man, they're going to have to face some serious adversity this year. The Niners, last thing I want to end on, and this is uh, one thing I always look at because I've started doing my research for win totals. And usually around the time where I shoot 32 for 32, this is going to be the third year that I do that. Mm-hmm. The Niners, over the first two weeks, Two Eastern time zone trips. West Coast teams playing East at 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 10 a.m. Pacific time. Those teams cover 38% of the time against the spread. So, not that good. Mm -hmm. Though, Sean McVay undefeated 7-0 in his career against the spread playing in the Eastern time zone at... 1 p.m. He just wins. He just wins. And he also has a hell of a new podcast. Him and Peter Schrager, I recommend checking it out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Sean McVay is doing a 10-week podcast during the offseason just telling stories. The first one just dropped. He was uh, talking about some of the experiences with Washington, um, him, how him and LaFleur are really close, uh, how the Super Bowl kind of why that didn't go to plan. He, he made like – uh, like just game playing, it didn't click. You know, what he also talked about, uh, he even made like one of his worst, most regrettable performances was that week 17 game against the Giants, where the Giants had nothing to play for and they had a win to get in and they lost. He talked about that being one of the worst moments of his career. So, a lot of oh, good Oh, when he was with Washington. Yeah, remember, that was his last game as offensive yes, coordinator. Yes, yes. So, uh, I totally recommend checking out. It's on the Ringer feed. It's Pierre Schrager, who you can always see on Good Morning uh, Football, awesome dude, and Sean McVay. Yeah. Mm. Sean McVay, very talkative. He's a great personality. I, I always yeah. like him. He's dope, bro. He's yeah. dope. That video that went viral a couple years ago where they're like, week seven, 2017 against Washington, third and eight in the fourth quarter. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, spider two or right. banana or some <laughs> shit. It's like, oh, my God, how'd you know that? And he's a bro and he's a nerd. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of the things that stood out to me when I was looking at the schedule. Do you like how Atlanta's schedule is set up? Playing, uh, I think it's like third softest. I think okay. p- playing the AFC East certainly helps. Um, and they also got like the last play schedule, so it's going to benefit them. They also got a game against the Jaguars. 
Oh, it, it works out pretty well. Until Trevor Lawrence throws for 400. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I, I don't think because maybe because it's the Jaguars, but I don't think people are talking about Trevor Lawrence enough yet. You know what I think happened? I think it was so etched in stone that he was going to be the number one pick. Right. But people just were, ah, we know, man. We know he's going to be great. And, and I hate to bring it up, but the whole Tebow fiasco maybe hasn't helped either. Yeah. It's getting negative headlines. A lot of people hit me up and they were saying, dude, I didn't know how shitty Florida was under Tebow when I put that video out. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad, man. It was definitely bad. All right. Patreon roll call. Shout out to the members of the Patreon. Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Plates, Devin Rendon, Jake Powers, Corey Johnson Hoops, Ryan Pisner, and Mike Wozniak. Next month, well, next month and one week when we get into June. So the month of July, those names that I just mentioned now, be on the lookout. Going to be sending you merch for your six-month commitment. Remember, if you're in the veterans minimum tier or higher, you are... For six months in a row, you get merch every January and every July. So thank you for those who contribute. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. Talk some hoops. You got a big smile on your face. Nail that Milwaukee-Miami pick. Yeah, listen. How great of a breakdown was that? I've been spot on through two. And like you, like obviously you're very confident with your picks. But this one in particular, you were very outspoken. You were just putting it out there. Milwaukee, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. It was anyone that follows me on social media is well aware of how I feel about this series in particular. But yeah, man, I, I bet them to win in four. I bet them to win in five. Uh, got them at 10 to one to win the finals too. nothing too crazy, but still nice. Obviously would prefer it in four because of the higher payout. But man, so spot on so far through the first two games. Uh, you you like the Heat, don't you? Grew up a huge Heat fan. My brother had like four different Alonzo Mourning jerseys. <sighs> Loved Tim Hardaway, Dan Marley. So I got into it right after that. I, I had Dwayne Wade, Shaq. Got me a Michael Beasley jersey. My all-time favorite. Mello with the left. <laughs> two watches so, on the foot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you remember that? He pulled up to the meeting, to the interview, and he had two watches on his foot. Dude, right? I don't care. Michael Beasley will always be the man to me. I don't care how much of a bust he was. I like, that's the man right there. Uh, I just think my fandom went a little down, like, ironically, after the whole big three. It was cool, the big three, but like I'm not crazy about the whole buying success. I get it. Your NBA, especially when you're Pat Riley, you're ruthless. It's cool. Uh, but it just got a little tiresome. But I'll always have a soft spot for the Heat just because that's what I grew up on. And... Um, I think Pat, just Pat Riley himself, like what he's built there over mm-hmm. the past two decades, is very impressive. And also, have to give a shout to those six championship team. Just seeing, they, like, you want to talk about all the 2002 All Stars on that team, from Gary Payton to Jason Williams to Antoine Walker, and then of course the great James Posey. Only like they had a squad. And hey, still out there, Udonis Haslam, you know, fighting dudes. <laughs> Man, that was a special fucking yeah. That was so weird. Like that team was strange, right? It was it was tail end of Shaq dominance. Alonzo yeah. Mourning had the comeback too, right? Yeah. And then that's when Wade really. That was year three of Wade. Please, yeah. Third, oh three, oh three, oh four, oh four, oh five, oh five, oh six. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man. And they were 
They beat that Mavericks team. Right. So I always have a soft spot for the Heat. It's just uh, past few years other interests, but uh, I'm because to me right, currently like maybe it's just recency bias. Like I find them to be so battle tested and so all rounded. Like I love their backcourt. Obviously, Jimmy's the quintessential franchise player, and Bam's such a fascinating big man. And I think Gang of Reason was big, but. Oh, man, what a letdown. Like, that game last night was just, it was an abomination. It was a surprise to me because I thought Miami, usually historically in the NBA playoffs, one of two things happen. When a team loses a heartbreaker, the next game they get blown out Mm -hmm. because it's like, fuck, we, we almost had it, and then. Slips away. One thing is get blown out, but dude, like it was over by Ooh. early first quarter. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was what forty five to nineteen. Yeah, it was pretty rough. I think it ended like forty six to twenty two or something. Yeah. It was. It was bad. But then the other thing that happens, and you saw it happen in the Nuggets and Blazers series mm-hmm. when a team game one drops the game at home, the home team, mm-hmm. and they don't even cover. Game two, they end up covering Jokic from Bananas. Yes, he was like, yeah, like 38, 8 and 5, yeah. something crazy. Um, Poor Lillard. Yeah, <laughs> Lillard went bananas <laughs> too. I mean, the backcourt again, backcourt back to back games had over like 60 points, but it just so happened yeah. that, you know, it's it was weird, right? Because if you say in that series, all right, if Jokic goes crazy, the Nuggets win. If the backcourt goes crazy, the Blazers win. But the Blazers' backcourt went crazy, and they still lost. Right. And but then game one, like everyone talked about, Jokic only had one assist. Yeah. Yeah, which was fascinating. Yeah, because so much of his game is how he frees up the space for everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, going back to the Bucks, I, it was a revenge tour because they shouldn't have lost to that Miami Heat last, team last year. That team really overachieved. Mm-hmm. It sucked because the Bucks, I think, struggled the most with the COVID situation last year because they were hell-bent on getting the top seed in the East. So everything goes through Milwaukee, and then you get the COVID situation, mm-hmm. and you have no home court advantage there. And you saw the issues that Miami was causing for this Bucks team, and then I didn't think it was fair to hold that against the Bucks coming into this series mm-hmm. because you have three pivotal pieces on this Bucks team that weren't on the team last year. And it's like Drew Holiday being the most obvious one. And you saw what a difference maker he was for them. Because also Middleton now is not relied on to have to be the number two guy. Mm-hmm. He can become the number two guy on some nights, like how yeah. he hit that big shot right. to, to win it in overtime. But it's like, yo, Drew is going to be the ball handler mm-hmm. and creating things for us offensively along with Giannis. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like game one, Needed to be, I thought whoever won game one was going to win the series. Because also, psychologically, if you're the Bucks Mm -hmm. and you lose game one at home, now you can't have the bubble excuse. Mm -hmm. You're at home. You have Drew Holiday now. And this is the team that sunned you last year. This year, Jimmy Butler didn't play in any of the games against Milwaukee. So you could kind of throw those out Mm -hmm. the window. And they dominated them. And they won game one. I think the series is over. I think the series ends in either four and five. Not because of my bet, just because the way it's played out, too. Mm-hmm. We are entering my favorite thing to bet, though, Alan. Have I told you about the down two thing? Do you go elaborate? When a team... This has like a 75% cover rate, historically. Um, I don't know how much it is now over the last two years, because the sports books have adapted to it, too. But in the past, 
and, and the logic behind it is, is pretty obvious, but it makes sense also. Team drops the first two on the road. They come home for game three. So the home team now in game three is down 2-0. You bet them in the first half. Why? Here's why. Because the crowd's going to be engaged. It really is a must-win situation because you can't lose game three if you're down 2-0 because right. you ain't coming back from 3-0. Yeah. It's never happened in the NBA. Players are fired up. The crowd is fired up. They have to set the tone early in the game. And the reason why you do the first half, you don't do the whole game, is because then you have halftime adjustments. The fans aren't as jacked up throughout the whole game as they are early on. And in 2019, I believe there was 13 situations where this presented itself. 12 of the 13 times that team covered in the first half. Wow. So you're talking about like... 12 of 13. If I could pick 12 of 13 every week on Sunday, lock, yeah. I'm asking everyone I know for money so I could just bet. Yeah. <laughs> Being honest with you, because 12 right. of 13 is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm monitoring from a degenerate standpoint some of the game twos. It won't apply for Atlanta. Now, if Atlanta beats the Knicks, the home team in game three is up 2 0. Right. So that concept doesn't apply there. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the Knicks and Hawks. Is it possible for you to watch that game and not miss fans? Wait, what do you mean by that? Like, Sorry. that's the first NBA game uh -huh. that had that much capacity. And it was really intense. And the crowd was amazing. Like and it when, was a great game, too. When when Barrett dunked on Bogdanovich. Yeah. The crowd went nuts. Some of the, like the OB3 was, was uh -huh. wild. Uh, quickly, too, those heat check threes that he made. Derrick Rose getting to the cup. You see Just the Spike atmosphere. Lee and Tracy yeah, Spike Morgan. Lee, <laughs> like the celebs are out yeah. there too, but they had 15,000. The Garden only takes like, not only, I mean, it's one of yeah. the bigger venues of all the renovation. But what I mean is like, yo, I feel like that game explained to the people that are like, yo, why the fuck do people talk about the Knicks? Like the atmosphere at the Garden. You might not understand mm -hmm. it because the Knicks have been a dumpster fire all these years. It's, I think that explained it. Starving for success. Like, you just want to see a team that, like, okay, we might not attract the biggest stars anymore, but, not, like, they're building a foundation, and they're just going to play hard, and they're just going to bring it. They might not have the talent to compete, because I think everyone knows Atlanta has the more talented team. But it, but based on the coaching and, you know, the, young, the youth that's being brought in and just, you know, what Julius Randle's done, like, the Knicks have built something really special. And I think New York's just fully behind them. And you saw that even when uh, I think the Knicks, for the most part, they were other than Alec Burks. I felt like nobody was shooting well, but Burks was just nailing every shot. Magical pump fake. Boom. But still like the whole, everyone had the belief that they were going to win. I know they came up short, but uh, the city, because I, I was in the city Sunday and like just seen all these different jerseys. Like, wow, you feel this energy right now. People are here. Like, even if they lose, it's still this just exciting times. You mentioned Burks. Uh, one of the big issues that I had, I was watching the game with Impey, mm -hmm. and we're watching the fourth quarter, and I'm not really paying attention to, like, the stats, mm -hmm. but I just, I test, I turn to him, and I say, dude, I feel like Burks has 20. Like, he's having a career quarter. He's yeah. like, nah, no way, bro. He probably has, like, eight or nine. Yeah. And then we look, and he had 18 in the yeah. quarter, right, with a minute left. And then... He ends up with 27. That was the the Burks game, the Burks quarter. Come down the game ending game ending play. He's inbounding. 
that made like that that shit fucking drives me crazy bro. and and it wasn't the only questionable late game decision right so before that you have the 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 specialist yeah. right i have an issue uh, across the board in any sport when this happens where you bring on a specialist a lockdown defender uh, a nickel corner uh a penalty kick taker in soccer. Mm-hmm. Dude, it happens a lot where a guy gets subbed in in the 118th minute in overtime and extra time, and then he takes a penalty kick. It's like, bro, he hasn't even touched the ball yet. Right. You want him cold turkey off the sideline, off the bench to come in and like, yeah, you know what? You got to take the fourth penalty kick right now. I, I hope you remember this. Italians are going to hate me for this. When exactly. Italy, Italy played Cup. Germany, yes. they brought on Simone Zaza. Zaza. And man, I love Antonio Conte. I think he's one of the best managers in the world, but he totally botches cold. And he does his little little step. His hit, first touch. Hits it to Rosie. You can't do that, yeah. bro. So look, I'm not a Frank guy. Frank Hive is crazy on Nick's Twitter. Yeah. But just the idea of you bring in a guy who has not played all game and he has to guard Trey Young, who's one of the more gifted offensive guards in the league, had a really great season mm-hmm. and he was cooking the Knicks. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, I get it. He's your defensive stopper. Why not play him earlier on so that when he's in there, he's like, he didn't even break a sweat. And to me, it's like, why is he not playing more when, when Alfred Payton looks like a complete liability out there? The eight minutes that Payton gets should easily go to Frank Nilekino because it's only eight minutes. Right? Yeah. It's four minutes a quarter, uh, a half. Because yeah. obviously, D Rose, the way he's playing, I thought he played excellent, by the way. Bro, he led the team delivering. in minutes. How yeah. wild is that? D Rose. So yeah. so nuts. So how do you feel about that? That specialist. Imagine in the NFL, right? Third and eight. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a nickel corner. It's like, all right, man, come on in. Just say hypothetical in this hypothetical, the I haven't played all game, and it's mm-hmm. third and eight in the fourth quarter, and I come on the field, and I just so happen that they come in motion, and now Julio is in front of me. Yeah. You know where Matt Ryan's going? He's right. going to Julio. Yeah, or it could be a Devontae Adams or even someone like Am feeling. They put him in the slot. It's like they okay, put him in the slot, yeah. and now you're there. It's like yo, yeah. your food. How many times does a corner get hurt? Mm-hmm. And then the next play, the backup corner is in there, and then they target him. Exactly. I'm not saying they give up a touchdown, but right. like they target him. Right. Happens all the yeah. time. Yeah, I, I we talked about earlier. Like another example is like you have like a six foot five, six foot six player, um, goal line fade third, fourth specialist. option. Yeah, like I love um, I love say someone like a Mike Williams on the Chargers, but it's like you got Keenan, you got Hunter Henry. Can we scheme something up here? Rather than just like, oh, we're solely depending on this fade to Mike Williams, who uh, who's one of the best go-getters, but at the same time, it's a low percentage play, and he's not someone that's going to be your go-to option. I just think when the game's online, you got to put your best talent out there and put them in positions to succeed. So to have like this quote-unquote specialist, it's like you got to have more talent here. You, gotta, you, you just got to rotate, just figure it out. Maybe R.J. Barrett could guard Trey Young. That, that was another thing. RJ yeah. went ghost for the last six minutes of the game. After that dunk. <laughs> dunk. He just also got no touches on offense. And the inbound play, too, right? Like, not only does Burks inbound the ball, you have Taj Gibson out there who is literally not a threat at all. Like, I'm, I think they were more than comfortable to leave him open. Yeah. And then when Randall touches the ball, there's three Hawks on him. It's like, why not have Taj inbound the ball? Why not have someone else inbound the ball? And then you could have Burks who's hot. You could have D Rose out there. You could have RJ. You have some more shooters. shooters. On the, on like the even floor. Bullock. Yeah. yeah. That was so frustrating, man. Yeah. It just sucked. Now game, game three, game two. Excuse me is going to be tonight. If you guys hear this early enough, Wednesday night must win for the Knicks. You can't go down 2-0 and then going back to Atlanta. 
Because you know Atlanta's going to be, you know, it's of a home crowd. It's another team that hasn't been in the playoffs in a couple of years, too. So it's going to be interesting. The last thing I want to end on is the Donovan Mitchell situation. Did you hear much about this? So I think there's a disconnect right now between his own training team and Utah's training staff. Yes, so it's like a medical issue. He feels ready to go. He wanted to go. Medical staff for the Jazz said no. I don't see why Utah would be lying. Why would you deny him not mm-hmm. playing? You're, you're the number one seed. You're looking at the first couple of the games in the playoffs that have been played, and you're in the West, and you're like, yo, LeBron and AD don't look right. I know LeBron made those comments a couple of weeks ago when he came back that he'll never be 100% again. I don't know if he was hedging himself to have an out mm-hmm. in the event that they don't win a mm-hmm. championship, but they didn't look good. I'm not going to overreact to game one. But if you're Utah, you're looking at it like, yo, look, we might have a chance to win the West with a top seed. If we go chalk, we should win it. And we sit our best guy. I think he's their best guy. Because oh, I don't know how it's the debate. Like he's well, clearly the, the guy. There's a lot of people that value Gobert over him. Oh man. Where's Steven Jackson you need him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting, bro. Or where's Shaq? Like, like yeah, I, I, I I'm look, I love Big men, I love the the center. Any center that's bringing this, like, because I feel like this is a total, like, you know, NBA is all about small bar guards. I love traditional centers. I always want to defend traditional centers. But you can't convince me a guy that doesn't really have much of an offensive game is your centerpiece. As great as he is defensively. Like, does Rudy Gobert, like, is he even, like, a post-threat? Like, Nah, he's basically catching alley-oops and defending the paint. Like, how can he be your biggest? Like, yeah. He's not that much of a difference maker defensively for me. Like, dude, like, I, I, dude, people really Nah, defensively he is. He's he's great, but like Donovan Mitchell's a legit playmaker. Like, yeah. He's like a dual threat. Like, yeah. He delivers. Yeah. So that's why I don't want to shortchange Rudy Gobert, but if you're telling me he's the number one, like... And especially this game's you only take seven shots. Yeah. And and especially like you said, in an offensive league like how it is now, Mm -hmm. and Donovan Mitchell is probably I think it's like him, Beal, um, and and like Clay Thompson when he's healthy, as far as like the best two guards in the league. And I think it's just such a wacky situation, man. I don't know if there's more to it. I know he was sub-posting on Instagram, like, politics as usual, and he's playing yeah. all these songs and shit, but it just doesn't make sense to me why Utah would hold them out of this game if there wasn't more to it. Like, he has to mm-hmm. he has to be hurt. Maybe he's one of those guys that wants to be out there for his teammates, and he's not 100%, yeah. but it's weird because his medical team, his personal trainers, they also can't allow him to get hurt. Because then that'd be a black eye on them too. So it's just a wacky situation. And he was on an injury report, which it was a shock. Know. It was a yeah. shock to a lot of people. I know. I remember I got the report. I was like, "Damn!" I was like, because I was watching it at Impies, because mm-hmm. that was the game after the Knicks played the Hawks. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yo, Mitchell is gonna be out tonight." He's like, "Really?" Yeah. We were. It wasn't something that was oh game time decision. Watch out. He wasn't on an injury report. And then it comes up. So, and you talk about teams being down one zero, like. Yeah, you you want to talk about Tina needs like like we talk about the Knicks like Utah really needs this. I mean, dude, you're talking about that was a prime example. I know that Mitchell was out, mm-hmm. so I give them the benefit of a doubt. But that was also a prime example of a team that just played two playoff games against a team that didn't play for four or five days, and you saw that too. And Dylan Brooks went crazy; he had a career game, mm-hmm. also. But 
Yeah, man. It's going to be interesting. I'm fascinated by the playoffs. Uh, I finally got the TNT app on my Xbox because nice. I don't have cable, so I can watch that also. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and watch some of the games now once we finish recording. Right. What uh, Are you looking forward to any series in particular? Suns-Lakers, because I really, I really think the Suns, I want to see them just go all the way. I think what they've built there is awesome. I love everything what they've done. And even though, Lake, look, Lakers, they're always going to be must-see. But with the Suns, from you know, CP having MVP Caballero, Booker always delivering. Uh, I've, they have a lot of different, like, forwards. Like, Crowder, I've always been fascinated by. They got Hrvati, Dario Sadic, like, who I got love. Uh, Bridges, great defensive player. Like Aiden, bro. Aiden went 21-16. Aiden, and 16. Aiden who, man, he's, I feel like people, people always hold a grudge against him because he was part of the Arizona team that completely flopped. So, like, whenever I think of Aiden, I just think of, like, Sean Miller and the, like, the dirty Arizona team. But, Isn't he the coach that always sweats like crazy? Yeah, and he's, like, involved with, like, 10 different scandals. But, like, oh, yeah. That, that's he's finally cool. gone, too. But, um, yeah, I love what Phoenix doing. Of course, uh, Luka against Clippers again. Clippers, you want to talk about a team that's under pressure. Bro, you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to guard the big swingmen in the West, basically to guard LeBron, because in order for you to get through the West, you have to go through LeBron. How are they not just chasing Luka everywhere? Don't give me this shit that, oh, I got to save it and for the offensive side. their supporting cast is garbage. Like, Dallas, like, that supporting yeah, cast. Bro, like, that's, like, that's can, can we be blunt here? Like, like, all right, Tim Hardaway's cool, and I always, I know he... New York hates him, but Porzingis, he, he's fun. He's fun. I'll keep it that. Uh, fun is, yeah, <laughs> fun. But, like, teams like the Clippers, they got to get their act together. Man, it makes no sense to me. If I was if I was the coach, I'd be like, yo, listen, Paul George, you have those playoff woes, pandemic P, mm-hmm. slandering them and shit. Yeah, listen, man, just focus on stopping Luka. Just contain him. You're not going to stop him, but I want you to go 100% on defense. Kawhi can handle the scoring. Don't worry about that. Or, or something like that. You mm-hmm. can't be having... Those two guys should be glued on Luka. He's literally their yeah. entire offense. He's their entire team. Mm-hmm. You take out Luka, that team is a top five lottery pick. Right. You kind of compare it to the Texans, like, with uh, how dependent they are of Watson. Yeah. 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 Great, great Te- point. Te- you know, Texas. Yeah. Texas shining here. But uh, just of how they're silver-lined this one player, and if things go south, oh, it's going to get ugly. So, bro, lowest win total on the sports books four for the Texans. Yeah, yeah, there's gonna be an extra game played. Like, four is low in a 16 game season, 17, it's wild. So, I think the the Western Conference, though, I think every series there's so much being treated by East. The top two, like, the top two seeds, I think, like, they're gonna breeze by. Maybe Washington took a good game or two. Maybe if Philly has a cold night. I think I think Washington can, has a game in them. I yeah. think Russ will go crazy one yeah. game. Beal will have a game. Like where it, where if those two on the same night could have a crazy yeah. night, they could win it. But I for the Boston, most part, Boston's cooked. Yeah. I think Boston and the Boston and Miami and Washington and Miami combined should win two games okay. in this opening round. Mm-hmm. I think Milwaukee should sweep. I think the Sixers should lose one game. And Boston should get swept right. also. I just want I want Knicks Hawks seven game series. I want to see because I'm part of Land Twitter. Land Twitter going crazy. Nick fans going crazy. I'm enjoying all the chaos. I'm. Does someone tell Bill De Blasio be quiet? I, I, I don't need to hear him making comments. But besides that, I'm loving every bit of this Knicks Hawks series. 
I don't know how many mayors there have been in the history of mayors. He's easily Mount Rushmore worst ones. He just tries so hard to be likable. That's as far as you're gonna get politics out of yeah. me. <laughs> but but, but Joe Bear. Just 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 to end it here though, like um, you know, we can talk too much next, but like, what's your overall feeling right now? Like, you gotta win game two for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought Randall let us down, but I can't fault him too much because he carried the he team pressing. all year. Yeah. And look, his first playoff game too, man. Wow. I know he's 26, but this guy, he's had a very interesting career because his rookie year, he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Year two is the Kobe farewell tour. Year three is that like makeshift Lakers team where they didn't know what to make of it. Then he gets traded. Then he's with the Pelicans. Then he signs with the Knicks. COVID season was sort of Amari Stoudemire-esque where, oh, man, we got Randall, right? Because yeah. it was supposed to be Zion. It was supposed That's to be Durant. Comparison. It was supposed to be Kyrie. Yeah. Same shit in 2010. It was supposed to be LeBron. It was supposed to be Wade. It was supposed to be all yeah, these I, guys I would coming. say there was more buzz about Amari, but it, it's Right. Uh, and, and look, at the time that Amari came, mm-hmm. he was an all-NBA guy, but he had the issues with his injury history. Right. But when he was playing, he was elite. And even that first year with the Knicks, that, that half season, he was like an MVP candidate. The Knicks were like 38 and 16. They had an amazing record. Raymond right. Felton and those yeah, guys. Yeah. And then they make the mellow deal. But it was very similar in the sense where like Randall was like... All right, man, Randall's cool. Thank God we didn't overpay him. It's whatever. But then, like, yo, New York this this year, he's probably played three or four bad games all season like that. Just so happened to be on the biggest stage, mm-hmm. primetime slot, Sunday night, right. 7 o'clock TNT, national broadcast, at the Garden, all the hype. Yo, we're back. Most improved player of the year. He just yeah. got the award. His son gave but, him to but him. But you can just tell, like, Nate McClellan really focused on limiting him. Like, they really wanted to make them uncomfortable. The Knicks don't have a really good team. They have guys that play hard. Mm-hmm. They have a coach that is perfect for what the Knicks are right now. Maximize They're a young talent. team. I'm going to drive these guys into the ground. Mm-hmm. And they have a veteran in Derrick Rose who really showed what it meant to be a veteran in that game against the Hawks. And Randall is the be-all, end-all. That's why if the Knicks would have won that game, they would have been in such a great spot because... He played so bad. He was like six of twenty three, yeah. I think. And it was like, and just like bad shots. Like you're mm. talking about, like hey, the size of, of the backboards, a lot of contested. Yeah, shots. yeah, yeah. So, look, it's gonna be exciting to watch that game on Wednesday. I think the crowd is gonna be even more getting after Trey mm-hmm. Young after his comments. Also, dude, big time heel. I love it. Big if it wasn't against the Knicks, I'd be like. I fuck with you, Trey. Big time heel, man. Now it's fuck you, Trey. He's not. He's not gonna get the John Rocker levels, but he's gonna do his best. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna get after him. But you know was crazy. Like even before game one, I was hearing "fu Trey Young" chance, and then after this, oh man, which was mad random. I feel like he's a likable player, and like I don't think that's Atlanta bias. I just think Trey Young going back to his days in Oklahoma, like dude, like his shot range, like dude, he just when he's on, ridiculous. Like he, like no one will be Steph. But he could be like a poor man stuff, just the way he takes threes and hits them. So I'm gonna start stealing that. No one could be Steph, I think is perfect. We need to stop trying to find the next No, Steph. there's no one like Steph. The stop next it. Durant. No, it's not happening, bro. But like yeah. but like if you wanna find like a second tier, like someone that could somewhat replicate because you see sometimes like Trey Young will take a shot thirty five feet and just drain it. Yeah. And he did that in college too. That's just why he was such a high pick. 
but um, no one could do it the efficiency of like a Steph Curry. Alan, this was a pleasure. You crushed it on this one, man. This was one of my uh, favorite chats of you. Uh, Mount St. Julio. Let's see where it erupts next year. <laughs> where can they find you? Alan Sturk. It's A-double-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. I gave the plugs before. We'll catch you guys next time. I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.